0: Ooh, comics! Welcome to Why Comics, uh, I'm Stuart Moraine and this time I am joined by David Robertson, uh, he of Fred Egg fame. Hi David, how are you? Very well Stuart, how's yourself? I'm not too bad, thank you. How are you uh, finding Lockdown 3, is this? 4? Which one are we on?
1: <laughs> we're on one of the sequels, I can't remember which one.
0: So was, the still the going, <laughs> we're still going out to work, it's just all bled into one for me. <laughs> Yeah. It's not like I've had any normality come back and then get uh, pulled away from me again. <laughs> it's just <laughs> right. all the same. But but yeah, how are you finding it? How's it uh, affecting you, work, creativity, that sort of thing? Positive?
1: Well, <laughs> I uh, I would say it's been positive for me. Um, I, I've I mean I'm still working like yourself, but I'm not full time, so I've got more time than to work on comics and. I've spent uh, years and decades uh, bemoaning the fact that I had to go into work and I wasn't sitting making comics all day long. <laughs> so now that I've been presented with this, uh, you know, your are furloughed or whatever, um, I've I just thought, right, my job now was getting on with my comics. So I've just got up every day and got to the drawing board,
0: you know. That's it. That's sort of the way I've tried to deal with it as well. I think it's gone two ways isn't it people are either being super productive or they have like i finally got the time to oh, i can't do anything
1: i'd say there was a there was a wobble for me um last march or when this came in and i thought well i'll get on with my comics and then i thought well is that i thought is that even appropriate you know going into a, a pandemic uh, situation
0: I yeah. Thought,
1: should I be sitting making comics uh, when when people are dying, you know? And so I sat and thought about that for about two weeks, and I thought, well, what am I going to do? Just sit and do nothing on principle, uh, you know, in case it it's not correct. So I thought, yeah. no, I'm just I'm just going to I'm just going to do as much as I can and see where the where the chips lie, you know. When I'm done, if history decides I'm a monster, you know, because I sat and made comics while Rome burned uh so be it <laughs> I don't want to get trapped in inactivity in a
0: crisis <laughs> yeah it's kind of what they're they're meant for isn't it <laughs> mm-hmm. if anything but, yeah. yeah but yeah, so, it's
1: uh, all in all I've I've tried to use the time to get as much done as possible
0: so yeah, it's the best way plus you know it benefits other people because they get to see the art and Read stories and that sort of thing, so it's, it's yeah, a positive for that, other people as well.
1: It was that thing of everyone giving away stuff for free, wasn't it? Online, yeah, Give it a go. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, mm hmm, yeah.
0: Say it's a sort of, comics is a great community for that sort of thing of coming together and putting stuff out there, so yeah, support other people and that, so like say. Yeah. It brings out the worst in a minority, but I think in the majority it brings out the best. Yeah. Like like you say, it's just unfortunate that it had to be a global pandemic that's sort of given the time to be able to do the creative things you've always wanted to do. you know, always wanted to have the time to do. But such is life and all that sort of thing. So, But at least you didn't do a COVID comic.
1: Well. You don't know that, Stuart. Well, all right. Great, great. <laughs> I might have I might have one sitting in the the drawer here, ready to get printed up.
0: <laughs> that was the big announcement, wasn't it, for the end? <laughs> <laughs> I, I've
1: actually um, I've actually, you know, one of, I do kind of one man anthology comics, so yeah. I do I do have a, a bunch of stories, and there was one that was kind of locked down related but it had flying saucers on it and things like that as well so hopefully it's not just a standard uh, take
0: on it you know yeah it's not just you staring out of a window <laughs> do you know it's, it's interesting, being
1: because <laughs> there's been a lot of comics and it's it's people's feelings of how they're dealing with it and that's yeah. that's extremely valid you know and good yeah but i think i don't know you don't want to be I'm not sure what I'm saying. You want to have some angle on it, don't you? I yeah, think the that's best it. I ones think it an angle.
0: It's it's a fine line between relatable, insightful, and just self-pitying. I think, but and that's not to say any I've seen are, you know, self-pitying in any way. I mean, that has always been my concern about doing anything like that. <laughs> it's like, does it just seem like I'm going to be whining? <laughs>
1: yeah, crying. Oh yeah. no, I'm crying. Comments. <laughs>
0: Uh, that's a spinner rack i want to see yeah (laughs) the iron (laughs) crying (laughs) genre but but i mean yeah again as much as i sort of make a joke of it if it's helping people process what they're going through and if other people can relate to it then more power to it. I'm not against any form of comic, as long as people no, make comics. But
1: everything, isn't it? I mean, you know, why not?
0: That's it. But, but yeah, which I suppose sort of brings us on to the big question of this podcast. So, uh, if, if you're ready, I'm going to ask you the big question. Uh, David, why comics? Why comics?
1: Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> It's fair. It, it's deliberately a, an open-ended question, uh, which is probably the best way to go at it. And I and I was thinking, why comics? And I thought it needs it maybe needs more added to it for me to start tackling it. So I kind of came up with why you read comics, yeah, and why make comics as being two different sections for this. Yeah. So, so why you read comics would be? Um, I've worked for many years in in libraries, and there's um, there's different generational gr- groups working in libraries, and you'll find the older ones. I mean, the, the, we're talking about the people now that are probably retiring um, that just think comics are rubbish, you know? Yeah. Um or, or maybe they're maybe they're good but they're just for kids and no room for them in the uh, in the library. Um just ignorance really, because they don't know about, about what's available. But so in my in my years long um I'll say discussions, not arguments with these people, I've um I've always equated it as being the same as saying you know, why comics is like saying, why books, you know, what, why why reading? That's the way I treat that, that. why comics? Well, because I like reading. Uh, <laughs> you know, I always read books and comics growing up, uh, Stuart. I don't know about you, you know.
0: The, yeah, well, I mean, more comics, to be fair, I was, if I was well, forced sure. to read books. I <laughs> but comics were always my first go-to.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, comics, um, you know, why comics? Because they're great, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know when you're a kid what's better well for me i loved comics you know i still do but it definitely started when i was a kid and i was reading like uh, eagle and um, spider-man and uh, the dandy and all that star wars asterix and everything any comic i could get my hands on i was wanting to read it you know yeah and so through that i, I fell in love with the with the format with, with the medium and and you would, as I've gotten older, I have come to think that there is two different things going on in your mind when you're reading just text or reading a comic. Because you're, you're, when you're reading a, say you're reading a novel or a non-fiction book, you're reading, you're reading a load of words in a row, right? I mean, it's, yeah. I always say this is like there's a load of words in a row all the way through for hundreds of pages that's it but with a comic you're reading it but you're looking at it as well you're, you're juggling the art and the text in your in your mind to get the overall effect and you just start picking up different things like oh that how would that have worked in a, in a novel would that have worked the way they've done that you couldn't have done that in a with just text You know, you just naturally start picking up different things. It's a different kind of grammar in comics, isn't it? Yeah. And um, to me, that's fascinating. And the more you can... I mean, getting on to making them, I think the more you can juggle and and go that fine line between giving information through text and image. That's really where the the challenges and the, the magic of it. Um, yeah, there you go. I went on a bit there, but that's, uh, that's a starting
0: point. That's it. That's good. I mean, what you said about like comics in libraries, I remember getting being so excited when it was either our local library or the school library first had comics in it because wow, okay. you just never seemed to see it. And They used to be either. If they were there, they were tucked away out of sight, but there was only, like, two or three. But it was the greatest thing. Um, so what sort of, like, got you into reading comics? Was it just as a kid you picked them up, or... I mean, obviously a lot of us read them as kids, but sort of what was the moment that it clicked with you and you just wanted to read more and more? And sort of, did you have a particular taste, or was it just anything that was a comic?
1: Yeah, my... my... My memories of reading comics are um, probably going back to being about six. Comics were just around. I I must have had parents that just thought it was a good thing to give me comics to read, you know. um, Because uh, I I certainly remember, I think one of the oldest comics I've got is A Dandy from when I was six, you know, and I've drawn all over it. (laughs) And then there was like Star Wars Weekly. Um, used to get used to actually get American DC comics at the news agents when I was a kid I've got a few of them Uh, The Flash uh, was a big one I think for me the superheroes DC was more when I was say you know a a very young kid I would be into DC and then Marvel although that's not true because you used to get Spider-Man Weekly as well um but I think the the American DC comics were big, and then I, re- I got more into the American Marvels a little bit later on. Although not much later. You know, I'm contradicting myself the more I'm thinking about this, because <laughs> they used to... You know, the the Dark Phoenix saga, the yeah. X-Men. I, I read all that as... Uh, I must have been about eight when that book came out, and I read that in... And the, the the one of Tony Stark being drunk on the cover as well. I think that was the first Iron Man comic I ever got. Demon in the bottle. Yeah. And so I was reading this as like a seven, eight year old and thinking this was what comics were, you know. And then yeah. I also had all that, you know, Wizard and Chips and uh, the IPC humour stuff. Um, yeah. Uh, used to be Whoopi and all that kind of thing. But it's funny you mentioning your experience of the libraries because I think I must have been really before, I mean we're talking about the 70s and 80s when I was a kid going to the library and and I can still remember going to the library and thinking I wonder what they'll have and I was really disappointed. They they had one book that I wanted to read and it was uh, a novel of Doctor Who robot that was it, Doctor Who robot. So for about a year in my memory, every time we went to the library, I took out Doctor Who robot. <laughs> <laughs> but and there was nothing else. I don't think they even had Asterix or Tintin. You know, the, the the two that do manage and have always managed to get into the library system. Yeah. Because somehow they don't think they're comics. They're they're Asterix books. Yeah.
0: No, I don't think our school library had. And this is going to be late 80s early 90s but i think the right. first asterix i read was one i ordered from used to get a catalogue that you could order books from oh yeah part of being at school except
1: what it used to be called
0: yeah you had yeah and there was an asterix book in that which i ordered which was like a smaller like a5 size version of asterix in britain yep okay and i loved that i devoured it completely i don't think i've read any more asterix for years later i just used to keep rereading that one um which that's the that's the one that got into your system when you were a kid yeah well, i think it's because other than like when we go on holiday me, my dad would buy us a couple of comics that were supposed to last for the week or two weeks we were away but i devoured them within like sitting on the drive waiting to go great um yeah, so he, he used to give me one in advance and then hide the other one for about halfway through the holiday but and that used to be like marvel uk reprints and the transformers and all that sort of thing oh
1: brilliant yeah but yeah i think
0: asterisk was like the first for want of a better term graphic novel mm. length sort of story and i had that and i devoured it and then when the an- the animated movie came out so i had that on video as well and i used to watch that but yeah um but for some reason never saw or picked up another Asterix book they had a few listed in the back but i never actually saw them Mm. and never thought to ask my parents for them for Christmas or anything because I just assumed it wouldn't be the kind of thing I'd get because, you know, it's always, it was always the generation of why don't you read a proper book?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, my, my dad more so than my mum kind of thing. <laughs> but right. but yeah, so when things started appearing in the library, it was amazing. And then obviously I discovered American comics and comic shops mm. and a whole new world opened up. But yeah, I used to love those reprints of like DC legion of superheroes and the 70s batman stuff brave and the bold Uh that they used to run in like 40p magazine format but but yeah so sort of from there did you sort of become a collector or did you just keep the odd ones you got because i mean it was a weird time where you just sort of got what you could get until comic shops came along sort of did you get an experience of a comic shop or was it much later? It's just what you could get in the newsagents kind of thing.
1: Yeah, the transition from reader to collector, eh?
0: That's, mm. uh, that's a thing. <laughs> when, you, when you start oh, back yeah. boarding, boarding rather than cutting out and scribbling on.
1: Yeah, up to... I would, let me think. I, I, I always liked comics, but I wasn't... I think I was about 12 when I suddenly thought, I should look after these you know that idea hadn't occurred to me before then so i did have comics but i used to have a, a, a toy box that you know a lot of people did as a kid and so yeah. all my toys were in there and then also in there were my comics so i'd read them and then throw them in there with all the <laughs> uh, action figures or what have you so you know odd issues of the the hulk or something like that and, and then i i think the spider-man weekly around about when i was 12 i was reading that and someone did click and i suddenly saw i suddenly saw me buying spider-man weekly for the rest of my life (laughs) And, and this would be a good thing yeah i can remember thinking that and i thought oh i will buy all of these and keep them and then i will buy all the old ones as well and then i will have all of them and that was going to be a A thing to aim for. And um, so that was it. I think that's when the switch went in my head. I collect these now. (laughs) I think you end up being a collector because you, I think as a kid, you think that was really good. And then you think I might read that again. So instead of throwing it in the bin, you think I'll keep that because I might read it again. And then you do that a few times, and then you've maybe got about 20 comics over a few years. And then yeah as you say you start doing things like putting them in bags and what have you um a big thing for me was they gave away something called the marvel guide to collecting comics this was a freebie thing that they gave away and there was a thunderbolt to my head because in it it said how to store your comics and it said and it gave you the simple advice instead of having them lying in a pile which is the way they would naturally start to accumulate stand them up on a shelf. And I and I remember going, What? Whoa. And so I stood up my, you know, thirty comics. And I was like, look at this, you know, look at the respect I'm giving these comics. Look, look at, you know, how they're demanding space beside the real books, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was kinda it was kinda naive, but it was you know, it was fun. Collecting comics is fun, man. It's great. And uh it wasn't until, let me think, maybe mid, there was no comic shop in, the, the, in Dundee where, where I'd grown up here. And, and so, but then one day me and my friends went through to Edinburgh, there was the science fiction bookshop. I mean, you'd heard about these fabled things called, you know, a comic shop where it wasn't just a pile of comics on the, on, near the floor beside all the other magazines and newspapers. This was like a, sh- a room, a shop, and it was just full of comics. I mean, what a thing. So we went through, and, and, and I remember going into to the shop, and there it was, a wall covered in comics. I mean, it was unbelievable. I can still feel the absolute magic of it, you know. Yeah. And at that time, uh, um, there was always the famous, the letters ND that you would get, not distributed. And there were so many titles that were not distributed, you know, into newsagents or into the UK, but they were all in these comic shops. So there it was, everything. And uh, that was terrific. And and at that time, of course, loads of back issues and stuff as well. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I was definitely a collector at that point. Still
0: am, really. an yeah. Yeah, it's not something you stop. <laughs> no.
1: No, I think you can refine it. You start. I'm certainly to be getting to that stage where I'm like, okay, I really love this, but, you know, I've had it for <laughs> 34 years, you yeah. know. It, and it's one of a million. Do I need this one?
0: That's it. I'll occasionally go through my collection and be like, why the fuck did I buy so many Lady Death comics? It's, like, it's not even good. <laughs> wow.
1: Well, I guess, well, I, I won't. I won't try and guess why you bought
0: Lady Death Comics. Well, uh, yeah, I was of a certain <laughs> age, so that's probably why. But yeah, I think they used to
1: was... have photo covers of that, didn't, didn't they? I remember.
0: Stay they did. There. I don't think i have got any photo covers. But... but yeah, I think it was at that point where I was sort of discovered that it was more than just DC and Marvel and Dark Horse doing alien comics kind of thing.
1: Mm-hmm. That There
0: were actually more different things out there, so I was just trying different things sort of have yeah, that think, mentality uh, of like i bought a couple of those so i might as well keep it on my pull list and then you've got so many you're like i might as well just keep going with it even if i'm not particularly enjoying it it's you
1: know so that nice was the pictures. lady death you, yeah you
0: and then uh-huh. sort of reaches a certain point where you're like why am i gotta cut this shit back especially when the wife's going why are you buying all these
1: <laughs> my my uh version of that was probably uh the star wars comics now that I think about it, because I bought them as a kid and then they stopped publishing them around about the late 80s. But I was still a fan. I was still thinking it's a shame they don't make more Star Wars comics. And then they did make more Dark, uh, dark Horse. And so so I was still in the mentality of, well, I'm going to get all because it had been a finite thing. There was the, the Star Wars comic run. I thought, well, yeah i'll continue that i'll get all of the star wars comics and then as the years started to go by in the 90s it was okay here's another 12 issue maxi series here's another one here's some here's something about you know obi-wan kenobi's dog you know a 12 (laughs) series on that and then here's this and that and i I do remember i went into the comic shop and there were so many that i'd fallen right behind you know yeah and i said do you know what i'll I'll get these, but I'm I'm gonna get. I can't do. I can't keep buying every comic that says Star Wars on it because you know I can't even not even keeping up with reading half of these.
0: Yeah, that's the problem with me with a lot of them. It's that you sort of buy them out a habit, don't you, rather than yeah, you're actually getting around to read them.
1: You have to get so, selective at a certain point.
0: Yeah, it's well, it's like I used to buy the Batman ones, but then if you wanted the complete story, you had to buy Batman adjacent books. Mm. Sort of yeah. you hit a point where you're getting 20 Batman related books a month. Like,
1: I mean, that's not fun anymore, is it?
0: No, that's it. It becomes, once it starts to become a stressor. So yeah. I kind of, you know, sat down and thought about it and just scaled right back. I was like, if I want to get like the big arc, I'll buy them as trades. Mm-hmm. Or they'll probably be in the 50p bin soon. So.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: So, but, but yeah, I it's. I must start yeah Well, oh, yeah so do I Everything's... everybody seems to think that they're worth more now than they actually are I was in a shop in where have we gone? Brighton? Bournemouth? One of those B places I was in a shop and I was like oh they got 90s Superman comics I can plug some gaps but they wanted a fiver each for them I was like these aren't worth that they're barely worth the cover price <laughs> mm-hmm. but it's tough bizarre thing that people who sort of casually sell comics assume that everything that's 20 years or plus older
1: that's right it's, it's somehow got through to the the public isn't it this idea that your comics could be worth a fortune probably are in fact i mean yeah. look action comics one sold for half a million that's it goodness me yours must be worth at least a fiver then if that <laughs> sold for
0: half a million no this one must be worth loads it's got a foil cover <laughs> Shiny, <Yeah. laughs> no. but it's it's all part of the fun. I I do enjoy the hunt through long boxes of back issues.
1: Yeah, because
0: so, I said I said before, but it's like the closest we'll ever get to being Indiana Jones.
1: <laughs>
0: mhm. And occasionally you'll find a ROM number one or something at a decent price.
1: ROM. Hmm. I like uh, I like ROM I, I like picking up old ROM comics. I don't I'm not even sure why but
0: No, I sort of I remember them being in they must have been in the back of a Transformers or something UK reprint when I first read them. Uh-huh. Cuz I can't think where else I would have seen it cuz I certainly want to in the US ones. But right. um, yeah, I just came across a couple in a back issue bin and got nostalgic for it so picked them up. And then sort of look from, but ROM seems to be getting popular again at the minute. So the prices on okay. those are shooting up. Oh right. But it's it's that weird thing. Something seems to happen. They get into the zeitgeist, don't they? And
1: the die rates.
0: People uh, start charging more for them, and then it drops off again. So it's that weird sort of anomaly of it. But so what sort of going away from reading comics sort of made you make the leap into creating comics
1: I I uh, I look back on it and think that I remember I, I liked writing stories at school, you know that was something you had to do sometimes at school yeah. okay this afternoon write a story and I always really liked it and um, I think I must have got encouragement from teachers saying you're good at it or something because I had the idea that I was good at it and I liked doing it And then you'll be able to guess the next bit, I also liked drawing pictures. (laughs) Um, So I used to enjoy drawing, and I was drawing like um, just things I liked at the time. I used to like sitting watching the telly like Bugs Bunny cartoons. And it was before we had a, a VHS or that. So it was just when Bugs Bunny was on and there was no pausing, I would just sit and draw Bugs Bunny every time he's head went to the the angle I was drawing at, I'd pick another bit out and draw it <laughs> on. so I would sit and teach myself to draw Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck and all that from off-telly, Danger Mouse and um, but also copying pictures out of the comics as well and, and then it just had to be that you would it was only natural if I liked writing stories and drawing and, and I was reading comics, well I'll, I'll make a comic, you know, why yeah. not let's go and so I would. Um, I one of the earliest ones I remember was a big mashup, and so it was just everything I liked. It was st- it was Star Wars. They were on the Millennium Falcon, but then also on board was the Hulk. And uh, and and also the third person in this was I don't know if you remember the Return of the Saint. Yeah. Uh, and it, but it wasn't Simon Templar who was in it. It was the little symbol, you know, the little stick man. Yeah. So he was a character in this as well. And 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 they had a and but do you know what I remember about doing that? I did about twenty pages of that, and it was just the freedom of starting, having no idea where you were going, and just adding things in as you wanted, and just bashing through it. It was like. I don't know. It was like running through a field or something. You know, you just did whatever you like, and I'd, yeah. I'd still, I still try to keep a little bit of that in my work now. You know, you do have to, you do have to make a sort of story structure and, and, and kind of know where you're going, but I like to try and leave room for a bit of just running wild. You know, just yeah. doing whatever I like. Um, yeah, there you go.
0: Yeah, that's... those were the days <laughs> but to be fair you only need disney to buy the saint and then you could do that you could pitch it to them because you will not yeah. have to worry about uh, cross ownership that's true that's true <laughs> but yeah. it's, the, it's the next big franchise <laughs>
1: i never understand that you know whenever this when people get asked if you could do any say any superhero comic any, any, if you could draw any superhero you know who would you do and you always see the the comics artists at cons and things whenever they get asked that they all sit at the table and go oh god you know you know, the, the, they all hate that question and, yeah. I, and i remember thinking you know i wonder why and i thought well suppose i suppose you know i i thought to myself well if if I want to draw the Hulk, you know, I can just draw them right now. I could be sitting yeah. drawing him here while I'm talking to you. So it's more a question of, I guess it's what you want to be doing in comics. I know different people want to do different things, and some people do want to, say, draw the uh, Batman comics or something. I have met people, and they say, and I say, do you, oh, do you want to draw comics and make them? And they go, yeah, and, and I go, well, you know, what does that mean to you? Do you want to draw Judge Dredd or something, you know? And, so, and, and somebody'll go, "Yeah, yeah, I'd love that," you know. So that's what they want to do in comics. They want to be the guy drawing Judge Dredd this week. Yeah. But I think some other people, that's not what they're wanting to do. And I would be one of them. I don't really, I can't think of anything worse. I'd say when I was twelve, I would probably wanted to draw Spider-Man comics. But now I look back and go, well. Can you imagine having to draw Spider Man a hundred times every month? You know, for the past ten years. I mean I think there's different things you can do. Yeah. Maybe you want to do different things in comics, you know, tell different stories. Maybe you want to do a comic about how you're you're crying. <laughs> 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 you know, but you could basically do anything. I mean I like I like science fiction and things and all that and um I mean i love superhero i I love i love um well the things i've mentioned you know the hulk and all spider-man i love all that but meanwhile you find yourself sitting drawing comics about the tay bridge disaster you know it's just whatever you you feel like doing isn't it well yeah that's it it's
0: it's like i try and do something different with each comic that i do Mm -hmm. um partly because i think like you say, I'd get bored if I was drawing Spider-Man or Superman on a daily basis, especially if you've got to hit a deadline as well. It's, uh, yeah. As, as a kid, it sounds great, but I think once you realise the realities of it. It's hard. What? It's like you'll get I... up at nine and you'll finish at five and all day you'll just draw Spider-Man. As a kid, you're like, that's amazing. Yeah. It's like, yeah, but you've got to do it to this script. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily the way you want it. it's uh, Yeah. But yeah, I think, I mean, you know, never say never kind of thing, but it's not. I like doing my own thing, much like you do. Uh, That appeals more than potentially doing stuff for other people kind of thing. Um,
1: Yeah, I I think I mean, it's it's not it's not a huge insight. People know this, but, you know, you turn your you turn your passion into your job and then, you know, it becomes your job, right? Yeah you've got to draw Superman again today. Here he comes through the wall again, you know. Jeez. Just draw it.
0: <laughs> just do so, it. Once you hit that, I've got to do this job. Or, mm. I've got to do this thing rather than, yeah, I just want to draw this. see it? Like I say, it becomes less a hobby and more... Uh, once your family depends on you doing it.
1: <laughs> yeah. I think I believe in comics as an art form, you know? Yeah. And people can do whatever they want in them, and everybody's going to do something different in their comic. Uh, and and depending on, I mean, of course, you have to be willing to do whatever you want in your comic, and that's going to uh, having to do a certain thing for your paycheck isn't going to be conducive to doing that. Yeah. Um, so. In a way, you need to. Well, you don't need to, but I, I've found. Uh, I mean, I just divorce it completely, really, from the money side of things. Whenever I'm doing comics, you know. Yeah. Because 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 one, I have to. <laughs> you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna make a million bucks doing whatever I like in comics. So then, what you have to think is, well, that's not why I'm doing it. It's divorced completely from the money. I'm going to do whatever I want in this comic, just because. And then, will anyone read it? I don't know. Will anyone like it? I don't know. I I don't worry about any of that, you know. I I just try to make it as good as I can, and as readable as I can. Try and make it something that's me, that's unique, because that's what I want from yeah the comics I read. You know, I I I like to see a comic and go, "What's this?" You know, I wonder why they're doing that. Oh. And then you read it, and it's actually good. You know, we're kind of lumped in with it's just comics. It's like again, it goes back to that thing of uh, why comics, why books? It's like okay, if you like reading books, say you like reading Isaac Asimov, great. And then you have to go around talking to everyone about Harry Potter. You know, it's like oh, yeah. it's all it's like it's all the same thing. You know, or Mills and Boone. Every time you go and talk about books again because you're like as Isaac Asimov you're always having to feel this thing of explaining Mills and Boone to people and it's kind of like that in comics yeah we're all lumped in like it's all one thing with maybe strange little variations here and there but that's the weird stuff here's the real stuff and it's uh, you know Green Lantern or something
0: yeah well, that's sort of the exciting thing about small press is that it's so many different things because you have the freedom in it to be like I want to do a comic about the Taybridge disaster or you know, yeah I want to do a comic about talking penguins or exactly or whatever or, no.
1: I mean that's a great example that's that's Alan just thinking he's he's had that brainwave yeah and then he's thought you know if he'd sat and thought for a minute but is anybody going to you know will that fit the market you know well well, talking penguins and puns and, and humour every day—is there a market for that? You know, I mean, if he'd thought that, he could have easily went, "No, that's that's self-indulgent or something." He could have come up with a million reasons why he shouldn't have done that because yeah. it didn't it didn't fit in. But he didn't. He went, "I'm doing it," and you know, it's great.
0: Plus well, it. it's it's easier to talk yourself out of doing something than talk yourself into it. Sometimes, isn't it? <laughs>
1: exactly. That that's actually been a quite a turning point for me. Yeah. Years ago now, I I I just thought you know there's a million reasons. Uh, I, I repeat myself. I say this all the time, My friends have all been going, oh God, he's off. He's the way to say it again. Come on, then. they'll be saying it <laughs> along with me, listening, you know. There's a million reasons not to do comics, and there's only one reason to do a comic, you know, because you want to do the comic, that's it. And that's a good enough reason for me.
0: That's it. And short of buying pens and paper, you're not going to financially bankrupt yourself, you know, unless you go mental and order like 10,000 copies of your first. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
1: It's probably been done, hasn't it?
0: That's it. But (laughs) you can generally tell the ones that, Are doing it just because they love doing it, because they're the ones that stick around, the ones that sort of come in with a grand twelve-issue arc idea. Yeah. You know, the idea that you know it'll spawn a movie franchise and TV and merchandise are generally the ones that are one and done in issue, and you never see them on the scene again.
1: Yeah, it's true. You you do roll your eyes slightly whenever there's some issue number one or or somebody's talking about the series they're gonna do yeah and you you do think get a page done first mate you know just see how much work it is to write and draw one page and finish it go through that shock of the horror of how much it's taken out of you to do one page and then go back to your multi-issue arc idea (laughs) (laughs) you know you've really got to be kind of you know quite strange to want to sit and make comics for a lot of your life sit yeah. and concentrate on a certain point on a bit of paper for hours on end you've got to decide you want to commit to this yeah and it's worth it
0: that's it it's what you say it's the, the amount of work that goes into it i don't think people appreciate and not just there's a skill to both reading comics and creating comics yeah. whatever your process is for doing it there is a skill to it that i think a lot of people not necessarily take for granted but neglect to consider yes i how think because... it. I was mean,
1: sorry
0: I, I always thought as a kid i always wanted to make comics but i was like i just don't know how you do it and then i went to that dc exhibition a couple of years ago at the o2 or whatever it's called where the millennium dome is and um i was looking at um and they did it the exact way I used to do it in my bedroom, which was you draw it, you cut something out, and you sellotape it over the top or, you know, use a Pritt stick and stick the speech bubbles on. And I was like, fuck, I was making comics the right way, but I just assumed that there must be some great unknown machine that <laughs> sort of did it. But then you look at these and they've got brown sellotape on it. And it's, it's bizarre. But, again, as a child in my head, I sort of... I was creating them for me anyway kind of thing but it just seemed like a million miles away but then you sort of realize and now you've had this rise of the small press thing and the community and because what's the small press community like up in Scotland because obviously you have one is it it seems to vary slightly I notice from talking to different people from different places that
1: well well um th- there is a, there is a scene that has come up in the In Dundee, certainly, probably in the last 10 years or so, it's really got going. Because we've got different things that have fed into it. Yeah. Um, There was Treehouse Comics, which was a Dundee anthology that was started by uh, art students and different artists at the time that, that they almost weren't comic artists, there were artists that were interested in comics. Yeah. So let's make a comic. So I got involved with them. Uh, um, and then there was also, uh, well, there still is, the, the university is has, has running different comics courses. Um, so you've got fresh influxes every year of, of students coming in, learning about doing comics. And, um, there's also a comics podcast called That Comic Smell that comes out of Dundee that you might have heard of.
0: I'll drop that down and check it out. I've never heard of
1: it. Yeah. Not <laughs> bad. And, um, and we've got... Um, there's Big Dog Books as the comic shop here now and there. You know, everything's kind of on hold, though, of course, um, because yeah. of the current situation. So there's been less uh, meetups, exhibitions exhibitions, um, you get talks and things up at the up the university as well. Um, you know, it, it, it makes me think of uh, your, your little example earlier of you were making comics as a kid. And, and I can remember feeling that as well, that there must be some real way to do this. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm just, you know, I'm just guessing. I'm just putting a pen on a bit of paper and then stapling them all together. But it doesn't look like a real comic. And... There was a, a, a moment like that for me where years later, as an adult, I I got to know Ian Kennedy, the artist, because he lives in Dundee. Yeah. I, and and um, and I was just talking to him. And as as a as a kid, I used to design spaceships. By I would um, I had different toys, um, like robot toys, micronauts, things like that. And I would take little bits of them and then i would blow that up and i would say okay this is the design for the spaceship in this comic i'm doing uh it wasn't always toys even it was like bits of machinery and things like that certain odd looking plugs yeah you know i would, would draw these up okay this is the space station you know the inside of some plug or something and i was always slightly embarrassed about that and then you know, I was speaking to Ian Kennedy, who did Dan Dare and all that, and I was saying, oh, I love this the one you did, blah, blah. I was fanboying out on him, you know. And he said, oh, do you know how I got that? And he pulled out this book, and it was like garden utensils. (laughs) And he says, yeah, it was the inside of my moor here. He took this bit out, and that was the spaceship. And I was absolutely stunned that I had done the same thing, you know, as a 10-year-old, that this, to me, absolutely, Master professional Dan Deere artist, you know, that I loved.
0: Yeah, I used to do that with one of our tele remotes, sort of had a nice, sort of curved shape to it,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and uh, yeah, that became something I drew as a space station. So but yeah, that, same thing, yeah. just looking at weird, odd things around the house. Plus, with the so, tele remote, you can sort of hold it above your head and slowly move it over, like the beginning of Star Wars. Yeah,
1: use it as reference. Oh, interesting. I, I guess a lot of people did that then. I've never really talked to anybody about that, apart from Ian. Mm. But uh, I can't remember where we were. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. You'd gone you'd, you'd go to the O2 to see the DC thing. Yeah. And the way, and the, way the comics are put together. Yeah, it was just,
0: like I say, a bizarre sort of realisation that I was doing it the way they did it as a kid, but Mm -hmm. just, I mean DC Marvel seemed a million miles away, a completely different world like New York where the fuck is that? (laughs) Because I always wanted to write a letter in, I dreamed of having a letter in the back of the Superman comics and Mike Carlin writing his editor's reply to it. Yeah. I have no idea how you write that and even if by the time it got there it'd still be relevant to
1: Do you know it all did seem quite impossible didn't it and far away and when you think about it all it would have taken was you know a stamp yeah. <laughs> but it's funny it just seemed like it was like sending a letter to Darth Vader or something and him reading yeah. it it was um, just almost impossible and so many of the you know they always talk about um the dc comics it was metropolis and um gotham city and whatever but then marvel was new york you know so that yeah. was real and all that but i've got to tell you as a kid i don't know metropolis and gotham were as real to me as new york i, I didn't i didn't
0: know well yeah i think as a kid i just assumed new york was a made-up place because it was in a comic. yeah
1: exactly yeah i mean all those water towers and everything in, in the spider-man comics i mean that was like that's nonsense, isn't it? Buildings with huge tanks of water on top of them. What the hell? I mean, it was all just made up, you know, it was all fantasy <laughs> to me. In fact, I remember going to New York and seeing them and going, oh my God, <laughs> look, the real. I was that dark tourist standing in New York on the street looking up. <laughs> yeah. Going, oh, it's a water tower like Steve Deco draws. Oh my God. Well, yeah. somebody was pickpocketing everything out of my jeans. <laughs>
0: To be fair, I think if I ever made it to New York, I'd do the same. I always yeah. dreamed of going and just being in like the DC and the Marvel offices. That golden age, obviously now, it's all pretty much done over the internet. Even before lockdown kind of things, they didn't have the the ball sort of died out a while ago, I think. But just because of the nature of the beast, you can email pages now. If you do them digitally, yeah. you don't need to be in an office kind of thing. But yeah, to yeah. so sort of if I could go anywhere, sort of that early Marvel ball pen or dc in the 90s just because that was my era of comics when i really got into it just to have been a fly on the wall in those so it's probably nowhere near as glamorous as i imagine it my head, or even as much fun as i imagine it in my head but in my head it's like a group of people who love making comics just all sitting around passing pages to each other and yeah and well, that sort of thing helpful. and that's kind of what's great about small press not so much that we're sitting creating comics together but just the way we sort of pass them around each other or share pages online sort of our equivalent of it
1: yeah yeah it is and even this whole new world for me of the uh, kickstarter you know i've i've been in touch with different people before i did it saying look how have you filmed this have you got any advice And, and people people are helpful you know
0: yeah yeah no it's an amazing helpful community how are you finding the Kickstarter experience then because you've got the Bridge disaster comic on there haven't you yeah yeah
1: Yeah, Um, and it's been really good actually Stuart yeah I mean I put it on I was thinking for a while I I should give Kickstarter a go at some point Um, the Bridge disaster comics I, I, I waited until I'd done all of them I thought Uh, i'll wait till it's all done before i start on a kickstarter i don't want to i mean say it's successful i don't want to be oh yeah i'll just be with you uh, in a year and a half when i'm finished (laughs) i thought i want to if i'm taking money off people i want to say thank you here you go yeah you know that's kind of the transaction isn't it and um so i i put it up and you know i i've got no expectation that Anybody would want a Tay Bridge Disaster comic, you know. I just making it because I found it interesting.
0: Yeah.
1: So, so I I just threw it up and to see what happened, and it, you know, it met the target and it met it quite quickly, you know. So I was kind of dumbfounded, shocked, and I've remained like that as, you know, it's it's made more money yeah. than I asked for. So what I'm the, the mindset, I mean, now was right. I have to begin making sure I, I get everything in place, you know, so that as soon as this finishes, I can start getting people's uh, comics to them. Yeah. And One of the things I, I put on it was to do an audio commentary of the comics, and that was an idea that I got from Tony Esmond, when I was speaking to Tony, you know, any advice? He says, you know, a good thing is a commentary. Um, that was a that was a nice extra to do, and I thought, so that's, that's a good idea. So um, now, as soon as I saw that it's passed, it, it reached the goal. I thought, right, I'll record. So I sat and recorded a bunch of thoughts about the comic. You know, again, it's that thing of uh, it's all a bit odd, isn't it? You know the the idea anybody's even interested is, is something that you have to get your head around yeah um so i just thought well okay in order to do this i just have to imagine that there is somebody that wants to hear me talking about this comic <laughs> because it seems quite un unrealistic but i thought well i can't sit and apologize for it all the way through it <laughs> i'm sorry you're probably not interested but you know oh look you know you're probably this is boring but blah blah, blah. I thought, you know, if it's boring, it's boring. I'll talk as if this is interesting. Maybe <laughs> <That's> it will <laughs> be. So that in itself was good. And then editing that down. Um, I used to work in a radio station years ago. And so that was that was good fun. That brought back memories of editing down this thing to a nice neat half an hour. Um, but, yeah, it's been great. I mean, I have to say, I asked about Kickstarter. For me on this project, it's been really positive. Yeah. I was, I was open to the fact that I would put it up and I wouldn't get any money. You know, that that was, seemed quite feasible to me, that nobody would want to pledge money to get a Taybridge disaster comic from me. So I thought, well, what's the worst that will happen if I do a Kickstarter? Nobody will bid on it at all or pledge on it at all. And then, OK, then I'll just be back to where I usually am with my comics. I'll yeah. go and print them up and then put them on sale. So I just felt like I couldn't really lose, maybe lose some face, lose some pride. Or are, are you the guy that nobody bid, nobody pledged on your stupid <laughs> bridge comic? And I'd be like, yeah, that's right. Do you want to buy one now?
0: <laughs> <laughs> but you didn't call anybody a deadbeat, sir. So.
1: Oh, well, No. <laughs> Maybe that's later. Maybe that comes later when, I don't know. What What would people do to be a deadbeat? Not not give me their info or disappear or, or something. I did see that. I thought, oh, that's not a great way to do customer service.
0: No, that's yeah, such that's... a bizarre thing. I'm not
1: Nobody's sure what, giving money.
0: what the thinking was on that one. But...
1: Do you know, I wonder if certain people have had that experience of, you know, you leave school or maybe even you're still at school. And maybe you carry on throughout your whole career. You go and work in retail and and work experience. And you have to uh, you know, customer service. You have to you have to deal with the public. And it's a real shock to the system when you have to subliminate your own personality and stand and listen to people complaining about stuff. And you're the guy that's got to try and help them or, or and smooth it over and say you've never done that say say you say you went to school drew a load of pictures and everybody said that's good and then you went to art school and everybody went that's good a plus you got stamped on your forehead and then you went out and then got jobs drawn for people and then suddenly here's customers standing saying excuse me when is blah 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 and you and you're like this is new <laughs> so <laughs> then, you turn, then you turn them to go what be patient eh, you deadbeat, you know, blah, blah, blah and you're like, oh dear, you've never learned you you know, there's a way to there's a way to be the public face of a of a company and it's yeah. not at it the people that are handing money over to you you know, every customer you've got is only a second away from saying, oh really, okay, well I'll keep my money, goodbye, forever
0: yeah, it's I mean yeah, it's just there, I know some people sort of made the case that maybe that's just their sense of humour and the, but you've got to be aware that what may come out as, you know, ah piss off your deadbeat in a vocal tone doesn't come across in a written down tone kind of thing.
1: But, and also as a as the face of say I don't know, Asda or
0: something.
1: Yeah. Maybe it's not your place to stand there and be funny. No. <laughs> hey, here's a here's a joke. You're a deadbeat. <laughs> Thank you. Every little helps, you know. It's, it's, no, that's that ain't gonna wash. Not, you don't have here, a personality deadbeat. here, you know. You're a robot. You've got a certain thing you've got to do. Yes. Have that person walk out of here feeling they were listened to. Yeah,
0: it's,
1: it's plus, a strange the, one.
0: It's the other thing with a Kickstarter. You've committed to do something. If you've not delivered it on time, people are perfectly within their right to ask. What's exactly.
1: going on? Yeah, it's... and I've kind of been not fearful of that, but I've been very mindful of that. I mean, that's that's the reason why it's taken me all this time to start trying a Kickstarter. I didn't want to start it until it was all the book was all done, as I said. Yeah. You know?
0: No, I'm exactly the same. I'd rather use it as a pre-order thing than a give me the money. Then I'll go and make it. And then in can, you,
1: a, can you can you imagine that? To... Yeah, I couldn't have done. Half of this Taybridge comic, knowing there was people out there that had given me money, were sitting waiting. That that would I couldn't actually. That wouldn't help me. That wouldn't encourage me
0: to work. That's that's one of the big appeals of small press is that nobody's expecting it from you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can just sort of create it at your at a whim whenever you feel like. If you want to do it while you're watching telly or whatever, or you know for an hour a day you're free to do it at your own sort of schedule but that's yeah, a very once... good
1: point and it's another thing that i always think of what that helps me which is that nobody cares if i ever do another comic ever again you know and and i've said that to like the uh, the awesome comic guys and of course they oh no they were arguing about that but i wasn't saying it as a sort of self-deprecating thing it was that frees me up having that mindset nobody cares if i ever do another comic so that means i can do whatever i like yeah because nobody gives a damn anyway that's it it. it's not like you've left
0: millions of people hanging on a you know i've done three issues but i'll never do issue four (laughs) kind of job It's, it's yeah you know you create what you like and when it drops people are oh that's cool David's done another comic, or if they don't, you might get. We're not gonna David. I haven't had a comic from. He hasn't done a comic for ages, but kind of thing. Yeah. It's not like you've left people with the like. What will happen? Come back next issue. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Find come out what back happened. For part two of Taybridge.
1: <laughs> yeah, come back in seven years for <laughs> for issue two, and then I really will have had enough, and you'll never get issue three. That's it. I mean, I
0: take my hat off to people like Steve Sims and that, that put out a comic on a yearly basis
1: mm-hmm.
0: that is a continuation kind of thing with Beast Hunter and Battle Badges and that. It's not something I'd want to put myself under, Even, you know, giving myself a year between issues. Just the yeah. general pressure of, like, shit, I've got 12 months. 12 months sounds like a long time, but...
1: Oh, it goes quick enough, yeah. Exactly.
0: Kind of thing. So... But... And like I say, I just don't want to get locked into the same style of thing. for. Yeah. And the other advantage is if you have way through an idea, but you've got something else chipping away, you can sort of tuck it to one side for a bit and chip away at other things. There's it's a wonderful freedom to create an unsmall press. Yeah. But you don't get
1: That's the way I like to work. I like to, I like to have a few things boiling away at the same time.
0: Yeah. I'm a procrastinator as well, so I really wouldn't do well with a deadline for creating things like that. It's bad enough having a deadline for doing the comic con sometimes. Mm. <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, it's, uh, so it's the other thing I find with comics is it's both wonderfully therapeutic and incredibly frustrating sometimes.
1: Mm. it's Okay.
0: It's really nice to just unwind and just do some drawing and that, but when you want to get that specific thing that's in your head down on the page, it's the most annoying fucking thing. Mm. I find I get more wound up. It's why I stopped playing like video games and that, because I wasn't very good at them, and I was just getting more and more pissed off. So instead of relaxing and playing a video game, and I find that with drawing sometimes, but I've sort of learned that you can just walk away for a bit, scribble something else, and then if you feel like it, have another bash at it. If not, come back to it tomorrow. Again, you're not on a deadline, so... But...
1: So your frustration, is it in, is it in terms of, um, okay, I, I'm thinking this could be either you're trying to draw a, a, a thing, a situation, something in a certain way, and the drawing itself isn't coming out the way you want it to look, yeah. or is there a sequence of events or some kind of narrative thing that isn't coming across the way you want
0: it to it's, it's generally that it's not coming out the way I've pitched it in my head it's like there's certain things that i really struggle with like i was talking to somebody and because they shared their art with me and it was a couple kissing i was like i just can't do it and it really frustrates me because whenever i do it it looks like they've just been fired at each other and sort of melded together face first mm. and but then the way they'd done it it's just the simplicity of the line and the way it moved and it was like that exactly what i want to try and do but that for example or cars Oh, mm-hmm. well, cars are a nightmare that's it if i'm not trying i can gen. it's that frustrating thing if you're not trying you're just doodling you can do some of the best stuff you've ever done but as soon as you're like oh i can have a go at doing that like you know properly cleaning it up and making it a thing yeah it just never translate again it's like lightning in a bottle sometimes but but yeah like i say it's uh that's the frustrating side of it but it's grossly outweighed by the positive side of it because, like I say, I find it just quite therapeutic and relaxing at the end of the day either just mindlessly mm. scribble or get a panel of a comic done
1: You do, interesting Sweet Now, thing. I I find I like having done it if you know what I mean Yeah. I, I like having done a page having done a panel I would say every time I sit and it's time to do more comics you know there is that ah jeez. <laughs> you know there is a kind of feeling of oh god yeah here we go but then there's also something very romantic about the idea of sitting at the drawing board drawing your comics you know yeah do oh he's doing what he wants to do you know kind of thing now of course the reality of that is I mean that is true, but the reality is also unending drudgery, you know, <laughs> and work. And now you've got to draw, you know, a fucking fridge, and you've got to draw <laughs> it five times from different angles, you know. Yeah. That's the, re- that's the reality. I don't. Sometimes when people talk uh, about people that don't do comics, and 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 I'll like if I'm at work and they say. I mean, so a guy actually says to me, oh, but that's no work, though, doing your comics. And I'm like, oh, it is work. No, it's definitely work. I mean, and it's worthwhile work, in my mind. I sit and work on this, and then I'm pleased that, that I've made this. But it is work.
0: Yeah. Oh, like, definitely. It's... And, you know, um... that's
1: that, it's that saying, isn't it? It's like, oh, if you get a job, like, you know, you'll never work again or something. It's like, I don't, that doesn't really wash with me. No, you can't do comics if you don't work on them. That's just work all the time. Yeah. You know, you don't just sit there and go la la la, hey, and there's comics coming out your page. You know, that's not the way it works.
0: No, it's it's just yeah. I mean, I couldn't sit all day and draw a comic. I've done it like sort of to challenge myself occasionally, but that's been a fun one-off sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Or I did, like, a comic in 12 hours kind of thing. Yeah. Just to sort of push myself. But it's not something I want to I wouldn't want to do what Jim Lee did when he was learning to draw, of getting up at 9 and drawing from 9 till 6 in the evening kind of thing. Just Yeah. I mean, it paid off for him, but it just seems like, I think, by day, well, probably by midday, I'd be sick of it. Uh, I mean, I had, uh, I had things where I just you know you sit and put some music on and you just draw and pot around but a large part of that is sitting procrastinating as well as actually doing the drawing
1: mm-hmm. i do think you have to work at your own pace there's no there's no point burning yourself out to prove some point to yourself or somebody else so yeah i mean yeah, no. do, it, do it at a sustainable pace you're going to be able to keep up you know
0: That's well yeah it's why got no interest in ever trying one of those 24 hour comics kind of thing
1: Oh, I've done that I've How done did you find thing. it? Well, I first did it uh, at an event, at a comic shop Ed Kirkcaldy, somebody was doing a 24 hour comic thing and I thought, I'm going to go through there and do that and I thought uh, well, I looked at it as being well that's impossible right I mean that's an impossible exercise so I'll go and give that a go I built, I built up to it after a few years I'd, I'd, I'd been down at, um, at one of the you know the comicette things in London yeah the Paul Gravett does and part of one of them was 24-hour comics and it was come along to the start of this and I went along and they were all and oh, now for the next 24 hours they will and, and it was like hey and then they got started And I remember thinking, I want to stay here and do this as well. So that put the little idea in my head. And then it was a few years later, I did it in Kirkcaldy, I went through. And there was loads of people that had come. It was like an event. It was like a social event. And I remember the the simple idea came to me um, that I'm going to finish this. And that hadn't really occurred to anybody else, I don't think. (laughs) <laughs> so, so I, uh, I was sitting. I, I think we got like four hours in, and somebody came up and said, "Oh, how's it going?" And I, and I remember I said, uh, "Yeah, okay, it's good. Uh, I'm I'm on I'm on schedule," I said. "I'm on target," and they were like, "Like schedule? Well, what do you mean?" I says, "Well, you know, 24 pages, 24 hours. Uh, I'm four hours in. I've done four pages," and I can remember the look of absolute horror. <laughs> face like, oh my what, and I thought, what's well, what's gonna take? you know you're gonna be sixteen seventeen pages into this. It's gonna be five o'clock in the morning, and you're gonna have to do another six pages now, um, so I found it as an exercise very good i I just kind of it just kind of proved that you can do ridiculous yeah. impossible things. And I, and I do remember thinking, okay, I've done that. I'm never doing it again. <laughs> I mean, I proved that I could do it, but there you go. Um, but then it came around again, five or six years later, and I thought, well, I will do it again. And it, and it was actually, I was able to use some things I'd learned in the first one, and it was easier. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I might actually recommend it to you, Stuart, if you felt like doing a crazy thing one year. I'd say yeah. it was worthwhile.
0: Worth yeah, because I mean, the 12 hour one I did was sort of just, I mean, it was a six page comic in the end, over 12 mm-hmm. hours. And
1: mm-hmm.
0: say, I quite enjoyed that with breaking for lunch as well. But, um, yeah, yeah, I did quite enjoy the experience of that, but I'm not sure I've got the stamina to stay up for 24 hours, mate. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. But, but I do enjoy art challenges, and sort of, I do have that determination. I tend to the ones I do, Um, Andy does them as well, so I find things like that are a lot easier when you've got somebody to egg you on, but we did get to the point where we were sitting up to like two o'clock in the morning doing Inktober one, yeah, like in our respective houses, just because we didn't want to be the first one to back down, Right. kind of thing, so we we agreed in future that we wouldn't let it get that silly again. (laughs) (laughs) It's like I was sitting up till two o'clock then getting up at half five to go to work. (laughs) Yeah. It's It's
1: not easy. And what's the other one? The Hourly Comic Day. That's another good one. Yeah. You do a comic every hour while you're awake. I quite like that one as well. Although, funnily enough, I did it this year and I got halfway through it and I I realised that I didn't... I didn't want to finish this, and it was uh, it was because as years have gone by, uh, because it's about you and what you get up to that hour of that day. Um, you know, there was stuff that was happening, and the most interesting thing that was happening was maybe something to do with my kids or something. Yeah. And so, but I've never put them in my comic, you know, because I don't really feel like that's my place. You know, if they want to put themselves in a comic, that's fine. So I was I spent a lot of time this year doing it, not putting in the stuff I would have if I w- didn't have that that condition on myself. Yeah. So that I thought I'm gonna I'm not gonna do this this year. So I only did about nine hours or something, and then I thought, no, nah, I'll stop.
0: Well, yeah, I mean that's the thing. Sort of, isn't it? You can't force yourself through things sometimes. And like you say, if it's you feel like you're ready to stop you've got to stop i think i uh, yeah just because for one creatively if your heart's not in it anymore it's it generally shows mm-hmm. uh, so even if it's not something you're putting out into the world kind of thing just for yourself sort of knowing it but but yeah how do you find obviously with work and family and the like how do you find creating comics do you lot yourself a certain amount of time a day or do you just as and when you get the opportunity pick it up or sort of what's um, your work process with creating a comic as a hobby
1: yeah for one well, of a better term over the past year it's changed of course um so so like you know the kids go off to school or what have you and i come and drop them off and and then come back and think well I've got a few hours you know and I've got until whenever it is I go and pick them up again yeah and, and I'll just sit and, and go at it I generally um have a certain target in mind that I want to do like so I'll think right today say examples I'll say right I want to write a, a, a story that's about eight pages long or something so I'll think right on Monday I'll sit and I'll write it. By the end of today, this will be written and ready to go. So that's what I aim for. And then the next day, I might think, right, by the end of today, this will be laid out. That's what I tend to do. I think, right, by the end of this day, I'll have this and such and such done. I'll pencil this today, I'll link it this day, I'll do this, I'll do that. So if you can sit and stick to that, I mean, you don't always make it. Yeah sometimes you just run out of time. Some, some in your drawings are trickier than you thought it would be. You get halfway through it, you think, actually, this will work better if it's from the other angle. Damn it, you know. So so you have to start again. Uh, so that's the way I, I tend to work. I aim for things. And that's that's been more doable over the past year. Um, before that, I I had a a bit of a bad habit of going to work um, doing whatever I had to do in the evening you know, yeah. say everybody went to bed and then I would I would have the same mindset, right, everyone's off to bed I'll sit and start when I've finished penciling this page uh, my reward is I get to go to sleep, you know so yeah. I would sit there and it would take, it would be the early hours before you'd be done so that I'm not sure how long you can keep that up as (laughs) an aging person, which is what I am. You know, it does, it does catch up with you. And in fact,
0: I'm
1: a bit, I'm a bit um, trepidatious about going back to that way of working, you know.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's what I used to do when I was much younger i often sit and think about how much i used to seem to get done in my mind when i was younger but then i was like you say sitting up till two three o'clock in the morning because my body could take it whereas now some days if i'm still up at nine o'clock in the evening i'm like you know uh (laughs) no i don't
1: know yeah
0: but i mean i'm quite lucky in that i work six days a week for three weeks and then i get a week off Mm. so i used to in that week I'm off set out a couple of days where I would properly sit down and try and get some comic stuff done or as it was at the time true believer stuff sort of thing but with this I've sort of had to set myself up a little workstation in the living room because my wife works from home at the moment and when the kids were homeschooling it was sort of impossible so because I used to like just putting on music but with the wife working from home she doesn't want me uh, listening to whatever some random film soundtrack or whatever mm-hmm. you know the essential kenny logins or whatever so. oh, wow. <laughs> it's just footloose and danger zone on repeat
1: <laughs> yeah yeah getting in the zone
0: yeah but yeah it's uh so that's sort of that's i sort of had to change how i do it that way i tend to like either just put the radio on and sit at the desk now or whatnot or but like say at work at the moment as well, there's been overtime going, so mm-hmm. well there's that guaranteed money. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> as much well, as I love doing the comics, much. they they don't pay. So. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly, exactly.
0: And then I can justify buying more pens and sketchbooks and the like.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But but yeah, no, it's sort of an interesting thing how people work. Like some people seem to set it up as a rigid, this is my comic creating time kind of thing, or mm-hmm. you know. As much as you can with kids, because kids don't seem to give a shit about your time scale. <laughs> it's like if they want something, they'll let you know.
1: Yeah, yeah. exactly. But... One, one of my kids uh, came in and helped me once. I, I came in and um, he drawn glasses on the figures on uh, on my bit of artwork that was sat on the on the drawing board. <laughs> I drew I drew glasses on it to help you. Thank you very much. That's that's very nice. Now don't do that again, please.
0: <laughs> yeah, that that could go either way, couldn't it? <laughs> it was cute. Yeah.
1: And then I got uh, the uh, the tipex
0: it's cute when they're small and they've still got those cute faces once they're like hairy and smelly and teenagers that stuff starts to slide slightly less well (laughs) yeah but no i ended up doing a comic with my youngest we just did a little christmas robot comic
1: oh great
0: just sat there sort of i had a rough idea and i was like what do you think we should do with this and he was like you should do this like you know he falls into the snow Mm -hmm. Genius, writer So he got excited when that went up on Comic House with his first writing credit.
1: That's great, yeah.
0: I loved it as well. So that was fun. Because he's sort of still at that age where he's not quite completely been absorbed by Fortnite or whatever crap it is they play on. He he likes it, but he still seems to balance it between that and drawing. Whereas my eldest abandoned drawing and isn't particularly interested in it anymore, much to my frustration, but can't force him. Yeah, I've, tr- I've tried, <laughs> but but yeah, it's a, say it's, it's an interesting thing, sort of you know, because um, with then the creating the comics and then putting them out, like you say, this is your first Kickstarter. Did you just just like print them off and take them to cons, or did you print them off and sell them online, or sort of drop yeah, them into thought... local places?
1: yeah i did all of those things and um you know with varying levels of success uh just getting it getting it made and and making it available is what it's all about yeah um and then any sales after that is uh just a bonus really (laughs) that's the way i look at it you know
0: i'm always amazed whenever anybody buys anything i've done
1: I know it's odd, isn't it? And then then you think, who are these people? You know, it's some name and and an address somewhere (laughs) in in the UK or elsewhere. And you go, I always want to put in a thing. Why are you buying this? (laughs) I've even been thinking that with a Kickstarter. You have to send out a survey. And it's like, hey, think of any questions you want to put in. And I I keep thinking, why are you doing this? (laughs) You know, thank you very much, but Why? It might even help me to know why.
0: So we'll see. That'd be quite I interesting. Might... I've never had that in a survey come out. I, I look forward yeah, to I seeing might... that question in there.
1: I might put that in there. Why on earth <laughs> did you buy a comic about the Taybridge disaster <laughs> from David Robertson? What brought you
0: to this point in your life? Are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> it. I, I have a terrible habit. I'm pretty sure when somebody wanted to buy, is you know, it Nottingham? Somebody wanted to buy one of my comics and I just inadvertently was like, are you sure? <laughs> you worked hard for
1: your money. Why, are you sure you want to waste <laughs> it? There's stuff over there that looks much
0: more exciting. <laughs> <laughs> but Like I say, I'm always amazing. I've walked away from Con. I've never made money out of Con once you take out the cost of getting there and that. I no, always walked really away like I'm like yeah I sold like three comics yeah it's like yeah but it cost you this much and go and it's like yeah that, that doesn't matter I sold three <laughs> cons
1: so, I think cons are, are well named yeah <laughs> you know I mean I run
0: a con so I can't endorse that but <laughs> oh yeah yeah
1: yeah no offense no offense but uh you know what on earth are we all doing at cons We all spend money to go someplace and stand and try to sell comics to people. See,
0: I look at it as a more expensive ticket. So I get to be at the con and I've got a safe place to stand. And, you know, occasionally I might get a little bit of money from people buying what I've got on the table in front of me. Uh That's sort of how I look at them.
1: A more expensive ticket is how you look at it.
0: And a safe place to stand
1: a safe place to so stand. So if things get a
0: bit crowded I can just sort of put a table see. to stand behind. Yes. Kind of thing.
1: But I've always yeah. done cons um, with friends along. Um, either other people, when we did Treehouse, there was other people in Treehouse so we'd be able to take turns on the table. Yeah. I've never done it, I know people who'd go and sit at the table and they're on their own and they're stuck there for a weekend. And that, that's too bad. I mean, that's torture for yourself. I I couldn't do that. You need to be able to have a little break. Although I always wander around and spend any money I have made on other comics. So, I mean, even if you sell a bunch, you you end up with no money and a carrier bag full of comics.
0: I tend to find I sell more when I'm not at my table, because I usually either go with Andy or with my wife, and then if Andy's then happens to be there, we try and get the tables next to each other kind of thing, because then we can watch each other's thing. Although he doesn't like me watching his, it, because I like to tell people he just does it with buttons on a laptop.
1: <laughs> You're taking the <laughs> magic out of it
0: now. <laughs> it's, uh, I do then tell him that I'm not actually an artist, but if you come back in a bit, he will talk to you about it. <laughs> right. But, it's, it's, but yeah, so... <laughs> It's the social aspect,
1: isn't it? I mean, we all know that. We're, that's we're it. it's... We meet up with everyone and chat. There's certain people that I'm friendly with. You know, I, I like them and admire them. And I only see them at, at the cons.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, that's it. I've got friends that I only see once a year because they come to Troobs. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, and I'm just friendly with that. Obviously, I know I'm online and that, but it's not the same. It's, that is the yeah. thing I've missed is the big social get-together of it. Yeah, not just being at the con, but meeting up the night before or whatever.
1: It is a good, it's a good thing. I'm, I'm really glad it's taken off the way it has over the the
0: past years. Yeah, and I think because it's so supportive as well of each other, so uh, it gives yeah. it that extra good feeling. And I tend, I don't know about you, but I tend to come away from them even more positively creative than when i'm in kind of thing it's great for recharge on those juices Um,
1: it's amazing the things that people are getting up to
0: yeah
1: you know you go from like stall to stall and say well look at this you know what on earth to me it's always this feeling of uh what on earth makes you do a comic about that (laughs) you know i I find it fascinating that's the ones i like you know Oh, yeah, and that's inspiring <laughs> that's inspiring, even if it's really different from what you yourself do,
0: yeah, well, that's the best stuff that's what I could say what I really loved about sort of discovering this small press circuit right. and the creativity on it, and the stuff like you say people are willing to put in comics, whether it's fictional or people who do autobio ones that put stuff into comics that I'd never dream of saying in a comic yeah but there's there's a certain honesty in it that is proper honesty rather than the honesty you want people to see I find in some of those
1: mm-hmm.
0: that it's just incredibly refreshing and that sort of thing but and even in like the fantasy ones or the sci-fi ones there's just something different in it that you don't get in they Feel a bit bolder in place. I mean, there's as with all things, there's mediocre stuff, not naming names of anything or oh, yeah, saying that I've come across it, but, but... I, I'm probably responsible for a large chunk of it. But... <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, not everything's for everyone, and you know, most of everything is, is crap, really.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's great comics that just aren't for me, and it's not yeah. a reflection on the comics, it's either. You know the frame of mind I was in when I read it, or it just didn't connect with me. But it doesn't make it any less of a great comic, kind of thing. Yeah. But it's like you say, it's a personal perception how you connect. It's the same with any form of art, isn't it? Yeah. One person's masterpiece.
1: Yeah, well, it's it's you know this is absolutely great, you know, and then you look at it and you go, yeah, I don't like this. So that's kind of the end of it being absolutely great, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> You know, there's no objectively absolutely great, you know. <laughs> I mean, you know, if I say to you, Alex tough is, oh my God, you know, and then you say, yeah, I don't like that. That's kind of the end of it. That's it.
0: It's done. <laughs> it's, it's the definitive. Yeah, that's, that,
1: you know. I don't like that. You go, well, okay, How, you can't argue with that.
0: <laughs> yes, some people will. <laughs> ad Infinitum.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: But but I you, you don't tend to get that so much in comics. It tends to be more film.
1: I th- yeah okay that's an interesting point. I think because film is actually a, a big business, isn't it? Yeah. Or, or it was. You know, it's kind of fallen off a cliff, hasn't it? No. Yeah. It's it's on the it's on the edge of bankruptcy, isn't it? Yeah. But I mean I mean everyone even some comic that is absolutely, to me, it's a piece of rubbish, you know, crap. I mean, even something that is, like, so bad, I think it's having a negative effect by existing. You know, and these things do exist, and I think the fact that that comic exists is bad for comics. Because somebody's going to look at that and go, oh, that's what comics are. Oh, that's terrible. And I'm like, yeah, it is. Bloody awful. (laughs) But even that, even somebody that made that comic, they're either well, everybody's just struggling away, aren't they? Yeah. even somebody that's doing like the biggest-selling comic at the moment, I mean, what they're selling like a hundred thousand or something. I mean, it's just peanuts. See, so, so it's kind of more personal. You don't want to you don't want to kick people because their comics shit because you yeah. know that they've worked they've worked really hard on it. You know, I I mean, people work really hard on movies, but at least they get ridiculous paychecks and and get to to earn a living and stuff. We're all busting our asses making our crap comics while doing a full-time career at the same time. You know, we're fitting in an extra career, unpaid one, on top of the one we're having to do to to make money. Yeah. Yeah. So I think um, it's much easier to, to slag off some film, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah. I like, yeah, like you say, it's a a financially sound sort of business. and but
1: I don't know, did that make any sense? I'm not sure. No, but yeah I,
0: probably... know, I I know what you mean. It's just again, it comes back to how support supportive of that sort of comic community They just always used to seem to feel like even in the days when you had the you're either a DC boy or a Marvel boy kind of thing, there was a yeah. fun banter sort of thing to it rather than a there's, there's a viciousness to it. And I think, you know, internet probably rings a lot of that out. in person. I imagine people are still a lot more friendlier than they appear to be online sort of thing. Mm. It's the anonymity of being behind a keyboard, isn't it? But... Yeah. but I tried not to get involved. And... Oh, I don't. It's just the worst thing you can, can do yourself. is engage. <laughs> just just walk on just like, oh, they feel that way. That's fair enough.
1: <laughs> you know, you, you do... Well, I do sometimes think, "Oh, for goodness sake, and you know you're you're all poised with your killer retort you know that's gonna prove how oh, this is wrong, what they've just said, and I always just you know I try not to do it,
0: yeah, you can't win, so
1: no, you can't
0: the worst thing you can do is point out to somebody why they're wrong about something, yeah because they won't listen to her. There was a thing earlier that somebody posted quite a long thought out thing about why somebody's opinion about this thing was, and their dismissal of this thing was sort of, you know, not necessarily wrong, but they were looking at it in a closed-minded kind of way, and their reply was like, can't be bothered to read that, just chill, mate. It's like, were well, you fucking engaged this whole thing to begin with. <laughs> I know, the amount of times you read that, oh, chill, man, it's
1: just a joke, and you're like, great, you know, that's wonderful. <laughs> You know, do, do you just copy and paste that into every conversation. I mean, the uh, it was a, a good few years ago now I tried to have a conversation, I remember. And I just remember thinking, do you know, I think Twitter and Facebook is maybe not the venue for having a conversation about anything. Yeah. And that was, that was the thought. I've tried it once. I don't think I will try. I mean, I do it every so often. I try to. To do something usually about i i tend not to put anything on unless it's comics related
0: yeah i'm the same i, I mean if it wasn't for doing comics and the comic-con and that i could probably live without yeah <laughs> social media it's nice for catching up with friends i'd potentially have one just so i could message people but
1: yes yeah
0: and see what other people are doing but i could quite happily not post anything yeah, yeah.
1: I never really, uh, I never really put, you know, I'm off, uh, <laughs> I'm off to the shops or whatever. <laughs> I, me- I remember years ago, I, I went on, uh, when I started on Facebook, and then so a guy I was working with, it was just, it was just coming in. And uh, he said, are you on that? What? Everyone at first was, are you on that? What f- you loser. Why are you doing that? You know, that was something you got and then he went yeah well you know i just do it you know you, you decide what you want to do use it for and just leave it to that you know uh, and he was like oh and then he went on it and it took, I think it took about two weeks and then he, he, he posted I can't get to sleep oh, I hate that I thought, I thought wow he got stuck <laughs> in quick you know it was like about three weeks between sneering at me to I can't sleep yeah Wow, I'm so sad. I'm crying.
0: It's yeah. yeah. I mean, for comic fans, it's an ideal thing because you can be sociable without actually meeting up with people, which used to be the big appeal of being, appeal of being a comics fan. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a fairly solitary I mean, hobby.
1: <laughs> I mean, yeah, the 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 internet and, and social media side of things has been really positive.
0: Yeah,
1: for, for me. You know, there's no way I could have done a Bridge disaster comic and sold it to anybody. No. I mean, we're, talk- we're talking about even the printing of it has been really helped. I yeah. mean, be, it, before the internet, you were sat in a town somewhere and you either uh, did photocopies at it or or uh, some local printer that would be like, a comic? What? You know, you have to deal with some local Joe. Yeah. You were telling me you were doing it, and then there was nowhere to sell it. I mean, you maybe you had a comic shop somewhere, but if you take this, they'd go, they'd look at it. That's not oh got iron fist in it. I don't want that. You know what? Or or if they were more open minded, yeah, I'll take that. Yeah, and they'd stick it on their shelf. That's the last you'd ever hear of it. That was the <laughs> landscape for doing small press comics back in the, before the internet. Yeah. So there's been a lot of negative, but I think um, if you you just try to think what you want to use it for, you can get a lot of good out of it.
0: Yeah, that's it. It's just using it right, isn't it?
1: Yeah, and we've all had to learn that, haven't we, individually? Yeah.
0: Again, touch wood, as somebody who put something creative out into the world, I've had no negative experiences. A couple of things with the Comic-Con, but that's to be expected kind of thing. And I'd be lying if I didn't say I didn't dwell on those a little bit more than all the positive ones that come in kind of thing but that's just the nature of the beast but yeah, touch wood with regard to putting drawings out there or comics or the like not, <laughs> I've opened the doors now
1: <laughs> So is that is that kind of maybe criticisms of of how you ran the, the conventions or things like that come to you online? I mean, um, don't go into it any more than you want to, but is it that kind yeah,
0: of thing you mean? A little bit. When we changed venues, because we went from being at the race course, which was huge, down to being in a hotel, mm-hmm. which obviously I knew that not everybody was going to dig that because it becomes a very different event. Um, yeah. I quite liked it because it's got that old school Comic Con vibe when they used to be in hotels. Mm. Yeah. Or, like, you know, a room at the back of something kind of thing. But they were sort of some negative backlash on that but again it was only a couple of people that i saw because uh, they sort of tagged me in it kind of, or not tagged me personally but tagged the event in it kind of thing
1: uh-huh.
0: so but like i say that's sort of to be expected with that sort of thing and occasionally somebody will email you to let you know you did this wrong this wrong this wrong and you can look at it and go they've got fair points on that that wasn't my fault that i have no idea how that happened or if that even did happen kind of thing and, again, that's where it comes to the customer service thing. You don't reply with, like, "Yeah, you know, all right, deadbeat. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but, that's yeah. the thing.
1: Any, any sort of – I mean, one, you have to expect it, you know. if, you, if well, You're, putting you're something learning as you
0: go with anything, whether it's creating yeah. a comic or putting on a Comic-Con or whatever you do that is putting something out into the world. So as long as the feedback is constructive – and not just you know <laughs> your shit. That's very nice, thank you. Yeah. Don't know what, what I'm supposed to do with that, but
1: <laughs> it's it's something that you have to deal with. Yeah. And it's um yeah your shit. Yeah. I mean, there's not a lot you can do with your shit. No. But then, well, I've got the right to. No, they've not got the right. It's just going to happen. Yeah. It's it's easier to write and go your shit than it is to go into some i mean every every um i guess it goes back to taste and all that you know maybe you are yeah. shit so okay to them i um, shit okay thanks for telling me now you've got to carry on though thanks yeah. for telling me that wonderful and <laughs> you know uh you're kind of asking for
0: it you know we well, are by putting you... anything into the world you're inviting yeah
1: I mean, you think of all the people in the world, and the percentage of them that are doing creative things and and running things. It's not most people. Most no. people, most people go, oh no, I'll um, I'll give that a miss. You know, somebody could kick me in the head if I do that. Somebody <laughs> could say I'm shit if I do that. Somebody might go, I'm shit. And I don't want somebody telling me I'm shit. I'm not going to do that. And I think that's that's probably a motivating thing for the majority of people. Yeah. So you throw it in first. No, I can't draw. I'd love to. I'd love to run a con. I'd love to do a comic, but I can't draw. I can't write. What would I do? Blah blah blah. blah. And these are all part of these millions of reasons why you don't do it.
0: Yeah. I mean, the way I've always approached anything I do is that. It's like the Muppets. I want to put on the best thing I can and hopefully people enjoy it kind of thing, but I'm not necessarily going to be the best at it. I'm not necessarily going to nail it on every sort of thing, but I'm just trying to put something out into the world that makes me happy and hopefully makes other people happy as well. And if people dig it, then that's awesome. But I sort of don't expect anybody to, I, in some ways, expect more the your shit then oh, i really liked this yeah so, to the point now when people do say they enjoyed something i did it'd be kind of like oh, really you sure And it comes back to the you, you're all right. <laughs> <laughs> do, do you need to talk about it <laughs> yeah but i
1: mean it's kind of i'm in danger of something too grand about it but you know it is kind of It's quite a noble thing to do, to put yourself out there for people to kick you in the face or tell you you're shit or say they quite liked it or whatever. It's kind of brave in a way. And also... uh, Also... But the other thing is there's no point where you are objectively so good now that people will stop saying you're shit. You know, you never get to the point where you're so successful now and so so well regarded that you don't get called shit anymore, you know, yeah. oh, I always think that, but like, if you, if you, you know, the biggest, if you want to be the biggest band in the world, you know, you want to be U2, now how many people are going to tell you U2 you are shit, yeah. and you, and, and that, further than that, they're going to, if I say to you, Bono's a dick, you know what I mean, right? Yeah. <laughs> And he's just some guy that's making records. You know, he's got millions of pounds and all this and he's involved in this, that and the next whatever. But he's just a guy that's making records and he's a dick in their shit. And he's the biggest band in the world. So you're never gonna escape. It's only ever gonna get bigger. The more the more regard you get, you know. As well as being everybody's favourite band and doing lots of really memorable songs and classy songs and you know going on these massive tours and they shit as well
0: yeah i mean i've said it before but i think one of the worst things that can happen to anybody that's a creative person is for you to feel like you're the best you're ever going to be because where do mm-hmm. you go from there <laughs> that's when you'd stop isn't it that's it because that's... you've done it that's it. you've got no choice then but to be like i'm never going to top this
1: you always have to want to do something different and and,
0: and, and, and I, improve <laughs>
1: and i think probably as soon as you have a success then you're that guy yeah oh, who's that oh now you are now there's something attached to you and then it's uh no don't do that do more of that other thing i liked that one you know? yeah so in a way, the, the success is all like a bit of a curse as well. Yeah. <laughs> what a funny business we're in. But I just keep <laughs> thinking it's not even a business. You know, it's art. That's, I always come back to I can just do whatever I like. You know, I could do nothing or I can do a comic about anything I feel like. Yeah. You know, and a, and a million people, a million people, okay, maybe 10 people could be saying you should do this or that and maybe you should but who cares I don't know we're free comics forever Stuart let's just keep going let's just keep going it's brilliant I love it I do love it
0: yeah I I think that is the positive note to end on I think we've we've reached the top (laughs) (laughs) but um, so yeah sort of just to wrap it up then where can people find you online what where should they be looking out for your work And they're like, how long has the Kickstarter got left on it?
1: Uh, The Kickstarter, the Tabor's Disaster, has got another uh, week and a half or so on it. Uh, It'll be be finishing up at the end of March.
0: So it'll be in its final few days by the time this comes out. So it's the perfect time to jump on board that.
1: Yes. Now is the perfect time to jump on board that Kickstarter, folks. Do it. Um, How was that for sales? That was all right. Uh, and then the what else? Uh, well, I operate under the name of Fred Egg Comics. So if you want to look for me, you can Google Fred Egg Comics, and I do a blog, and I do a website, and uh, and all of that good stuff. And um, the podcast, that Comic Smell podcast, you can listen to that if you like the sound of my dulcet tones. Well, along with Tom and Nando and Mike. And we just uh, are comics enthusiasts that just sit and wag about comics.
0: Uh, how's that? I
1: think that's, that covers it, doesn't
0: it? It does. And um, yeah, I, I highly recommend that comic Smell. Like I said to you earlier, it's, all, it's one of those great podcasts where it just feels like you're in a room where there's an awesome conversation going on about comics. And you know, a crisps have been eating thank you but, but yeah how have you sort of fun just quickly on a mm. side tangent how have you found that because obviously you guys used to get together in person and record and
1: oh yeah um well yeah it took us a couple of months uh, i say us it took tom a couple of months to <laughs> figure out how we were going to do this over uh, skype and what have you and record it and um it's different obviously it used to be like a sort of monthly thing we'd all get together and, you know we, we we're kind of known for sitting and munching biscuits and yeah. <laughs> that was half of it we we, we spent about 50 percent of each show talking about what biscuits we were eating and snacks and so we're not doing that so much but yeah it's been okay um it's been good i quite enjoy it in fact if i'm, if I'm honest it's quite yeah. nice to not have to get my coat on and go out But can just sit and do it in the house yeah, that'll be nice when we get back together, though.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I'd like to say, I do enjoy the just sitting in comfortable clothes and mm. record via Skype, but I do miss sitting across a table from Andy and sort of having a conversation that way. Yeah. It's, it's just like I say, sitting across from anybody and having a conversation these days. <laughs>
1: hmm
0: I'm not a big sociable person, but there I mean. <laughs> we it's the certain conversations
1: yeah that's a, that's a good point because the comics people uh, in general well kind of a generalisation in fact but you know we do sit on our own working on these things meet up every so often so maybe in some way we we're more adapted to it yeah. to some extent maybe not just a thought
0: No, no, I'd agree. I mean, my life didn't overly change because of lockdown. (laughs) Apart from not being able to go to cons or the comic shop. Mm -hmm. It's largely been the same. just Sitting at home drawing or watching telly or whatever.
1: Yeah, it's really affected a lot of people that wanted to go out to the pub. It seems. Yeah, I'll see.
0: That's... That disappeared for me a long time ago. (laughs) Yeah. Once I stopped drinking and Mm -hmm. it costs more to get a soft drink than it does a hard drink yeah it, it didn't seem worth it anymore but plus being around piss people when you're sober is no fun <laughs>
1: that's very true
0: yeah. <laughs> But and there's always the danger you'll end up the designated driver so it's not worth it <laughs> 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 but, but anyway cheers for that man and uh
1: yeah thanks for having me Stuart it's been a pleasure
0: yeah I had a really good time and uh yeah like I say I'll put all the links in the show notes and that for where people can find you Cheers, David. Thank you very much. Bye. And that was episode 15 of Why Comics. Uh, I'd like to thank David again for coming on and being our guest and answering the big question. Uh, Like I said in the episode, you can find all the links for his uh, various things online um, in the show notes. Um, And be sure to check out his his Kickstarter, which is still running for a few more days. Um, If you search Taybridge Disaster, you should be able to find it there. Uh, Highly recommend checking it out. Um, You can find... The Nerds Who Haunted Themselves online, we're on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash haunted nerds. We're on Twitter as at haunted nerds. Um, you can find all our previous episodes of Why Comics and Why Not, and the Nerds Who Haunted Themselves episodes and specials on the True Believers website, which is oktruebelievers.com, and we're under the podcast uh, listing in the menu. Uh, you can find us on Podbean, we're hauntednerds.podbean.com, or you can find us where you usually find your podcasts Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean. Uh, probably others, Amazon Music maybe, I'm not sure. Have a look. Um, if you like what you've heard, please subscribe and leave us a comment or a review. Um, it helps the numbers and all that algorithm stuff that nobody understands. Well, I'm sure some people understand, but nobody in this room. And yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, until next... Uh, this has been a Nerds Who Sales production, and I've been Stuart Moraine. And until next time, read some awesome comics, create some awesome things, and keep spreading the four-color word. Thanks for listening. Bye.